Good morning. The title of this morning's message is Dead Egyptians. And you just have to listen to the whole message to figure out why. <laughs> now, the last time I ministered, we looked at God's name, I Am. In the Old Testament, we told Moses, tell the people, I Am sent you. As best as scholars can determine today, his name is Yahweh. <laughs> it's been translated Yahovah. But when it was actually written, it was only four consonants. There were no vowels. And so that's why they're guessing. They took the vowels from the word Adonai, which is the word for Lord, Master, and they took those vowels and put it in God's name in an effort to know how to say it now. It was so revered that they never said it. Now, if God tells you what his name is, don't you think he'd like you to call him by that? (laughs) Because his name is how he reveals himself. And so today we're going to look at the name, I am the Lord your healer. The name is Yahweh Rapha, which means I am healing. Yahweh means I am. Rapha means healing, wholeness, and health. So God says, it isn't just what I do, it's who I am. One of the things we're going to look at is the way some translations explain it. What I really like is when they put it the way it was written, instead of translating it into English, which is Yahweh Rapha. It means I am healing. In Exodus 15.26, this is where he reveals himself as Yahweh Rapha. And this is the Lord speaking to Moses. If you will diligently listen to the voice of the Lord your God and do what is right in his eyes, and give ear to his commandments, and keep all his statutes, I will put none of the diseases on you that I put on the Egyptians, for I am the Lord your healer. He actually said, I am Yahweh Rapha. Yeah, we looked at last time also that the name Yahweh is his up close and personal name. And if you look at the way his names are actually written in scripture, what we did in English is what the Jews did when they read their scripture. They would substitute the word Lord for his name because they didn't want to be guilty of taking his name in vain. And so they lost the picture (laughs) God was painting for them. When he said, tell them I am sent you, the self-existent, all-sufficient, eternal one, tell them that's who I am, and I've heard and I've come to rescue. So when you take the name and just put something generic over it, you lose the picture. If you say, Pastor Steve, you get a picture. If you just say, Pastor, where's the picture? The title is what they gave God, his title, so that you lost the picture, the understanding of who he is. And so he was trying to reveal to them who he is. I believe that if we understand the names that reveal God's identity, that we can start to understand who our identity is in him. If he says, I am healing, then my identity should be, I am healed. It's not something he does, it's something he is. We can put on the truth of who we already are in Christ and put off the old man, the identity of being poor, sick, unworthy, and unrighteous. By renewing our minds to the truth of who we already are in Christ Jesus, we can see the truth of who he is manifest in our lives. In Ephesians 4.22, this is the ESV version, it says this, Put off your old self, which belongs to your former manner of life, and is corrupt through deceitful desires, and to be renewed in the spirit of your mind, and to put on the new self, 
created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. I said this last time, but I'm going to say it again. Teenagers are really good at trying to find their identity outside. They hang around their friends, or they look to entertainment, or they look to movies, they look to idols, and say, I like you. I'm going to take on your identity. I'm going to dress like you. I'm going to talk like you. I'm going to take identity from the outside and put it on. Well, this is exactly what the Apostle Paul is talking about. We have to put on our identity, but it doesn't come from outside. You're going to be somebody you're not if you're taking somebody else's identity and trying it on. Teenagers aren't the only one who does it. (laughs) Christians do it too. I underlined in true righteousness and holiness because, see, the truth is that's what we are. He said he has made us the righteousness of God in Jesus Christ. We're made righteous. I'm not taking what I do on the outside and saying, this makes me righteous. If I do right, I am right. No. God says if you know who you are, if you know you're the righteousness of God in Jesus Christ, righteousness will start showing up in your life. Right behavior and right thinking. Why? Because I'm taking the truth of who I am in Christ and I'm deciding to put it on. This word that says put on means put it on like clothes. Just like teenagers do. <laughs> I like that fashion. I'm going to put on what other people are putting on. I'm going to get my identity from that. We get our identity from Jesus Christ. And he says you are made righteous and you are made holy. And the more you begin to take that truth and renew the spirit of your mind, the more righteousness and holiness will show up in your life. Because you can't help but be who you are. <laughs> you can't help but be who you are. But you have to know who you are. He says you have to put off the old man on purpose. That old man has a false identity and it's only in Christ that we really know who we are. It's something we have to do on purpose. We need to purposely put on the truth of who Jesus Christ is because the enemy of our souls and this natural world will continually try to conform us to its image. The world is always going to be saying, you need to do this. You need to have this. You need to look like this. They want to force their identity on you. And he says, you have to purposely understand who you are in Christ and decide, I'm going to live according to who I really am. I'm not going to let other people tell me who I am, to tell me if I'm valuable, to tell me if I'm successful, to tell me if I'm righteous. I'm going to go to the Word of God and get my identity from my Father. We have and live in a different kingdom than the world. And this one is more real than the one we can see with our physical eyes. In Luke chapter 17, verse 21b says this. This is Jesus speaking. Behold, look, pay attention. The kingdom of God is within you. Everything we need is already in us if we have received Jesus Christ. The kingdom. What on earth is in the kingdom? Everything. (laughs) God, (laughs) love, joy, peace, righteousness, power, authority. Everything we have in our identity is in the kingdom. And it's already in us through Jesus Christ if we have received him. Our identity comes from King Jesus. And this is his dominion, the kingdom of God. And where the kingdom of God is, there is the identity that I am already healed. We need to put on our true identity that we are the healed of God. Exodus 15.26 in the name of God translation. This is where they actually translate what's actually written in the Holy Scriptures. 
They don't substitute the word Lord and put a generic title over. They actually let you see the picture. It says this. He said, this is God speaking, if you will carefully listen to Yahweh. Yahweh is the up-close and personal name. This is the name he revealed himself as when he created Adam and Eve. He got up close and personal and he breathed life to them. And he says, my name, the guy who did this, his name is Yahweh, the I Am. The I Am is always up close and personal. Yahweh, your Elohim. Again, we see the picture. Elohim is a plural name for the word God. And yet, he very specifically says, I am one. I am plural and I am one. Now, did they understand that? No. Can we in the New Testament go, hey, <laughs> I understand that. I see the truth that it was there the whole time. Your Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. You're three, but yet you're only one. You have a plurality about you, but you are one single God. Does that make logical sense to us? Not usually. But we're made in his image. We are three, and we are one. My spirit man is completely separate from the rest of me. That's one part of me. My soul is completely separate from my spirit and my body. That's the second part of me. And my body is the third part. We can't take one out of the other any more than you can take the Father out of the Son or the Son out of the Father. You can't separate them. Just like with us. I can't take my soul out. It's all me. So that's the way God is, too. We're made in His image. We have the same kind of plurality that God does because we're made in His image. And He says, this is who I am as God. This is what I am. Elohim is what I am. Yahweh is who I am. The up close and personal Almighty God. He says, if you do what he considers right, and if you pay attention to his commands and obey all his laws, I will never make you suffer any of the diseases I made the Egyptians suffer, because I am Yahweh Rafika. I am the Lord who heals. The root word of that is Rafa, which means healing, fullness. What I like about this particular version, and why I like to see the names of God, is because the point of him giving us his names is to reveal to us who he is. If you asked Joe Blow on the street, who is God? You could get any variety of answers. Even if you asked Christians, who is God? You're going to get a whole variety of ideas. He wants us to know who he is in his character because we have his same nature and character through Jesus Christ. Yahweh is healing, Yahweh is wholeness, and Yahweh is health. God never acts outside of his character. Yahweh is healing. That's who he is. Now, when we look at the scripture, we say, uh, he put sickness on the Egyptians? God has sickness to give to people? Lots of Christians think so. <laughs> okay, when we look at the Old Testament, we have to recognize that God is talking to them in a way that they understand. Have you ever noticed God talks to you the way you talk? He doesn't talk to me like a, he talks to an astrophysicist. Because <laughs> I wouldn't understand a word he had to say. <laughs> God talks to us in our vernacular and in our understanding. Even if our understanding is wrong, he still has to try to get the truth in there in a way you can get it. So they had no concept of kingdom. They had no concept of the spiritual realm. They knew it was real, but they didn't understand Satan. And they didn't have access to the kingdom yet, the kingdom of God. And that's what we're going to see. So what you're seeing here is how Moses perceived his situation. He was not yet in the kingdom of God. He was in the kingdom of darkness. The Egyptians had no covenant relationship to protect them. All the way through the Old Testament, God isn't saying to them, Come, be born again. Why? 
It wasn't available yet. The price hadn't been paid yet. They can't enter the kingdom yet. So he says, come into covenant with me. You're in the kingdom of darkness. You don't understand that at this point. You know spiritual realities are there. I can't get you out of it completely. Not yet. So I'm going to offer you a covenant that will protect you from the spirit realm of darkness. That was always God's invitation. Come into relationship with me. And in relationship with me, you'll be protected. They didn't do that very well. (laughs) Because they were always running after false gods. And because their culture was always telling them, you have to be conformed to what we believe. And that's what's always happened to them, is they always let their culture dictate to them their identity. And so they kept falling away from who God was, the one true and living God. In the Old Testament, they were under the curse, the law of sin and death. The curse came when Adam and Eve ate from the forbidden tree. Their condition changed. When Adam and Eve fell, their condition changed. See, their original condition was righteous, in right standing with God. I heard a minister say recently, right standing with God gives you the right to receive. Receive what? Whatever you need. That's what right standing with God does for us, is it makes his kingdom available. The only way they could have right standing with God was through a covenant that would protect them from the kingdom of darkness. But the truth was, they were always under the curse. Adam and Eve unplugged themselves from the righteousness of God, from their right standing. They didn't realize what they did, but God had told them, if you eat of the tree, you will die. He was saying, you're going to unplug from me. I am life. I don't just give life, just like healing. I am healing. You can't be in me and not be in healing. If you are in Christ, you are alive. But if you're not in Christ, you're dead to God. Dead simply means separated. That's what happens when someone physically dies. They don't cease to exist. They're separated from their body. Okay, so they were under the curse, the law of sin and death. Sin brings death. We live according to a different law, the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus. So their condition changed. Their status before God changed. Now, it didn't change God's mind about them. God didn't spank them and scold them (laughs) and tell them, you've got to do this, that, and No, he's like, I got this covered. There are things that are now different, but it doesn't change my heart towards you. You've changed your own condition by your choice. See, we have the same option when it comes to to entering into the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God will change our condition. The curse brought the law of sin and death, but in Christ, we're in a new law. We're no longer under the curse. That's what the people in the Old Testament were all under, the power of the curse that Adam and Eve brought into this world. They died spiritually. Their spiritual condition brought about the condition of their life. They no longer had God as their life source. They were originally created to live from their spirit, which was connected to God, and to rule and reign on the earth in relationship with God. Does that sound familiar? God's original plan was, let me and man be so united that you rule and reign on earth just as I would. Plan A, guess what? It's still the same plan. (laughs) It's still the same plan. We are supposed to rule the world through the righteousness of Christ. See, the truth is, Jesus paid 
the price to reverse the curse. The curse has been reversed, but we don't see it. See, we have the kingdom within us. We're not pulling a kingdom down from heaven. The kingdom of heaven is already inside of us, and it is out of us comes the kingdom. Now, if we could get the entire world, the entire human population to understand, look, you're in darkness, you're under a curse, and there is only one way out, and it is life in Christ Jesus. And if we all get life in Christ Jesus, we can rule and reign and only have righteous things happen on this earth. That's the truth. Every evil thing comes from the curse. We have to understand that, especially when it comes to healing. Because we think, well, I'm sick because I eat the wrong thing. I'm sick because I don't exercise. I'm sick because I didn't take care of myself. I'm sick because of the viruses. I'm sick because of a bacteria. No, all of that curse came from back there when Adam and Eve sinned. That curse is still available. And most of the earth is still choosing to live under the curse. The curse is the cause of sickness and disease. The curse is the cause, not sins, plural. The condition of being in a fallen state, the condition as a sinner, they're in darkness, they're under the curse. It's the curse that brings sin and death into the into being. So if we can reverse the curse, we can reverse the fruit of the curse. Sin and death. The curse has been reversed to Jesus Christ. The Apostle Paul talks about the inner struggle of the unregenerated person who wants to live right. Have you noticed people who are not believers can be wonderful people, kind, gentle, generous? Just because someone is living in darkness doesn't mean they don't appreciate that which is good. You see, we're going to look at Romans 7. This is where the Apostle Paul is describing his inner struggle. When the Apostle Paul had this struggle, he was a Pharisee. He understood God's laws are good and holy and just. And if I could just do them. (laughs) That was his struggle. He's like, I agree. I agree with the goodness of God. I agree that his ways are right. I agree. But something in me keeps messing me up. It says this, starting in 722, For I delight in the law of God. Yay, the law of God is good. He says, I agree, but I see in my members another law, waging war against the law of my mind, and making me captive to the law of sin and death. He says, there's something in me. You see, it's his condition. It isn't sins, plural. It's sin, the cause. And he says, I can't seem to overcome this. I want to do what's right and good. I keep failing. <laughs> and that's what the law was really designed to do. Look, you can't ever be good enough. You need a Savior. You need somebody to do for you what you cannot do yourself. And so he's describing this war. But I see in my members another law. And it's a law. It's unchangeable if you stay in that condition. If you stay in that kingdom, if you stay under that king. (laughs) And so he's a captive to the law of sin. He says, wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from this body of death? He even recognized that this thing brings death all the time because all he ever finds himself doing is sinning. (laughs) And sin always brings death into our lives. And then verse 25, 
says, thanks be to God through Jesus Christ. I like another translation better because the word thanks is the word grace. Who will deliver me from this body of death? The grace of God through Jesus Christ, our Lord. So then, I myself serve the law of God with my mind, but with my flesh I serve the law of sin. Here he's saying, I got delivered. I found out the answer. I needed a savior. Thanks be to God. I found one. <laughs> I found somebody who could do this for me. And But then he goes on and he says, okay, now I have to choose how I think. I have to put on Christ. I have to choose my thoughts. I have to agree with righteousness. I have to decide who I am, that I look like my Jesus. I look like my daddy. I look like my father. I am filled with his spirit. That's who I am. But if I lean to my flesh, and we all can, and we all do. He says that I'm serving the law of sin. And it's a law, like gravity. If you sow to your flesh, Paul says, you're going to reap destruction and corruption. Because that stuff is in a different kingdom. That's not where you belong. Don't live according to the flesh. You have the power to live in the new law of life in Christ Jesus. The unregenerated person is captive to the law of sin because of their condition. Just like Adam and Eve, the condition is the problem, not their actions. They're dead spiritually, which is the condition of being spiritually separated from God. Christians often have the same struggle. They look at Romans 7, they go, oh, that is my life. <laughs> I want to do the right thing, Jesus. <laughs> because they don't know who they are, they think they're subject to those laws. They don't realize what has happened to them and what kingdom they live in and what king they serve and what power and authority they have. And they think they are held captive. When in actuality, we have been set free. We have not yet put on God's view and opinion of us. That's what it means to renew your mind, putting on the truth of who we are. God our Father sent the Lord Jesus Christ to reverse the curse by becoming a curse for us, thereby providing a way to change our condition and our kingdom and our peace. Galatians 3, 13 and 14 says this. Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. For it is written, Cursed is everyone who is hanged on a tree. So that in Christ Jesus, the blessing of Abraham might come on the Gentiles, so that we might receive the promised spirit through faith. He says, I was living in this condition called curse. And I had no way out but Christ. Christ came to pay the penalty for the law of sin and death, to set us free from that law, to set us free from that kingdom, to set us free from that darkness. And he did it by dying on the cross. So that we could have not just a forgiveness of sins, not just a covenant that covered it, but that he could change what and who we are. He wanted to change our condition. He didn't just want to hide and cover up our sin and leave us in the same condition. He came to set the captive free. And all of mankind is held captive under the curse unless we're in Christ. Abraham was counted righteous because of what he believed. He had faith. Our right standing with God, our condition being changed, is what allows us to continually access the blessing. If you look in Deuteronomy 28, you're going to find a list of the curses and the blessings. <laughs> the curses come from the kingdom of darkness. The curses are the fruit of the curse. The blessings are the fruit of being in Christ, in God, in right standing. The blessing, the condition, the kingdom of God 
is where we live. We have to put on that knowledge and understand we don't live accursed anymore. We don't have to let the curse have any place in our life. When Jesus became the curse, he became sin so that we could be made the very righteousness of God. Sin is not a problem with Jesus anymore. Sin is never our problem. If we're struggling with sin, it's because we don't know who we are. If we're struggling with fear, it's because we don't know who we are. If we're struggling with lack, it's because we don't know who we are. (laughs) And so we're believing the lies of the world, the world that's in the darkness. They say, this is what you are. This is your problem. This is what you need. And the truth is, we need Jesus Christ. He is the answer to the curse. Sickness and disease are under the curse. They are not part of the blessing. What is blessing? I looked it up in the dictionary. It says, the favor of God. The absolutely free loving kindness of the favor of God. That's the blessing. And everything we need and everything we want is in the blessing. And it's all free. It's available by faith. Romans 8, 2. For the law of the spirit of life in Christ, Jesus, hath made me free. Hath made me free. We don't have to say, okay, darkness, <laughs> go ahead, put some handcuffs on me. I can't get out of this sin. I might as well just give up and give in. And Christians do. They don't know that they have the right to send that thing away. That's a lie. I am not what you say I am. I am what my Jesus says I am. What I like about this, this is a law. <laughs> this is a law. Like gravity is a law. It works every time. If we're walking in the spirit of life in Christ Jesus, nothing but blessing belongs in our life. And then when the enemy comes against us, we say, hey, 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 I have legal authority here. (laughs) You can take a hike. We decide. God's not deciding. He says, these are the laws. These are the way the kingdom works. They operate by faith. You have been changed. I have taken you out of the kingdom of darkness, and I put you in the kingdom of blessing. I've given you my name, my power, my authority, my right standing. There's nothing you can't do. There's nothing you can't overcome. But we believe the lies. And so we end up sounding like Paul going, I want to do what's right. But the truth is, our sin nature is gone. Our condition has been changed. And we live in a different kingdom. I looked up what it means to be a curse. In the Bible dictionary, it said this. To be a curse is to be separated from the privileges of citizens. To be under a curse is to be subject to evil. That's the picture I want you to see. That there are two kingdoms, one of darkness and one of light. When we got saved, he translated us over into this new kingdom. But our mind was not yet renewed. So we think all the laws we used to live under are still the laws we live under now. That's why he says, you've got to put off that old man. You've got to put off those old ways of thinking, those old ways of believing, and find out who you really are and what belongs to you. Because that kingdom is going to try to separate you from your privileges. Privileges that owed to us because of Jesus Christ. That kingdom says, I'll come in and I'll take them. And if we don't know any better, we'll let them. We'll let ourselves be subject to evil. We're supposed to rule and reign in this life through Christ Jesus. Jesus died so that we would no longer be subject to evil or be separated from the privileges of living in his kingdom. These are rights. That's how I want you to get. Healing is our right. It's a right. It's a blessing. It's a gift, absolutely. But he says, I paid in my life's blood so that you could be free from sickness and disease. That's your right. 
but you have to be the one who enforces it. The curse no longer applies to us. Jesus wants us to live to God according to God's original plan, to rule and reign through him on the earth, and to be free from the power of a curse and all curses. Now, you're probably wondering, what about these dead Egyptians? When do they show up? <laughs> well, we're going to get to that in just a minute here. In light of what we've just heard, we're going to look at the exodus from Egypt. Most of us have usually seen the Ten Commandments. <laughs> we've seen how the exodus took place. We have those kind of pictures in our head. But I want you to look at it differently. I want you to look at it in light that Christ came to change our condition, our king, in our kingdom. And why the Egyptians ended up dead and how sickness and disease fit into this picture. In Romans 15, 4, it says this, Whatsoever things were written aforetime were written for our learning, that we, through patience and comfort of the scriptures, might have hope, the confident expectation of dead. He says, if we look at this the right way, we'll see the right picture. We're going to look at this in terms of types and shadows. In the Exodus, it is about God taking his people out of captivity. So Egypt is a type of sin, the condition, not the actions. The actions come out of the condition. The problem was not their actions. Their problem was their condition. You change the condition, you change the root of who they are, the fruit changes. A different root, a different fruit. Israel was a type of humanity. They were not just a type of the church, which is what I was taught a long time ago. But Jesus didn't come just to save the church. Jesus came to save the world, okay? So when we look at the picture of what actually happened, these are types and shadows that are supposed to point us to the truth of the New Testament. When we look at this, we're supposed to see, where is Jesus in this? Where is the act of my Father in this? What is going on in this picture that will point me to Jesus? Pharaoh is a type of Satan, only in this particular story. Pharaohs were often very nice to the Israelites, but in this particular story, the truth is, Pharaoh was dead set against the plan of God. He represents a type of Satan. He was dead set against you and me being free. The Egyptians are the taskmasters. They are a type of the curses due to the condition. Sickness, disease, lack, poverty, addiction. And they had um, generals, if you will, in their army. Uh, chosen taskmasters who were over the taskmasters themselves. Those are the big boys. Guilt, sin, fear, condemnation, shame. These are the big heavyweights. Satan knows, if I can get you to even think you're failing, you don't even have to really be failing. If I can just get you to think you're a failure, then I'll get you in condemnation. And you'll start living out of the kingdom of darkness because you think your father is against you. It's a lie. But if we don't know that, if we don't look at the right picture and see what the Father's doing, then we'll buy the lie of the darkness. Moses himself, the deliverer, is a type of Christ. He led humanity out of the condition of sin. The Red Sea is a type of the blood of Christ. Of course, it's the Red Sea. And Canaan, the land of where we're going, is the type of the kingdom of God, the land of promise. So I'm going to read this in the name of God version, so you can see, you'll hear the name, you'll see it too, starting with Exodus 14, verse 13. I want you to see, when you read Moses, think Jesus. <laughs> when you see Pharaoh, think Satan. When you see Egyptians, think curses. 
think demonic activity. Moses said to the people, don't be afraid. Does that sound like Jesus? Absolutely. Don't be afraid. I like this next word, stand still. Now he meant stand and don't move. When I read this in the light of what God is saying, I hear him saying, stand still. Still stand. Don't back off. Don't be afraid. Don't let fear come into your life. You stand. And you just keep standing. Because you live in the kingdom of God. And you have all power and authority. And you don't have to give in to fear. Don't do it. Stand still. And see what Yahweh, the up close and personal God, will do to save you today. You will never see these Egyptians again. What are they? What are these, these Egyptians? They're the curses. They're the sickness. They're the disease. They're the poverty. They're the lack. They're the insecurity. They're the fear. They're the anxiety. They're the pressure of the enemy to make you do something you don't even want to do. And he says, you're never going to see these Egyptians again because Yahweh, the up close and personal God, is fighting for you. So you be still. You stand there and don't you back down. Then Yahweh, the up close and personal God, said to Moses, a type of Christ, why are you crying out to me? Tell the Israelites to start moving. Raise your staff, stretch out your hand over the sea, and divide the water. Then the Israelites, all of humanity, will go through the sea on dry ground. Another miracle. I am making the Egyptians so stubborn that they will follow the Israelites. I will receive honor because of what I do to Pharaoh, his entire army, his chariots, and his cavalry. The Egyptians, what are those? The curses? The demonic activity? Will know that I am Yahweh, the one true and living God, the only self-existing God, when I am honored for what I did to who? Pharaoh, Satan, and all of his chariots and his cavalry, all of his messengers. The messenger of Elohim, God who is plural, three in one, who had been in front of the Israelites, moved behind them. He has got your back. He has got your back. So the column of smoke moved from the front of the Israelites and stood behind them, between the Egyptian camp and the Israelite camp. The Egyptians cannot get into your camp and you cannot go into their camp. The kingdoms are divided. There is a God standing between you and the enemy. He is not going to let you go back into darkness. The column of smoke was there when darkness came and it lit up the night. Neither side came near it, the other all night long. Then Moses stretched out his hand over the sea. All night, Yahweh, the up close and personal God, pushed back the sea with a strong east wind and turned the sea into dry ground. The water divided and the Israelites went through the middle of the sea on dry ground. The water stood up like a wall on their right and on their left. Can't you just see that? I know I've seen the Ten Commandments. <laughs> but see, we think walking on water is a miracle. <laughs> How about we just move the water out of the way? <laughs> so that way they won't even be afraid. <laughs> God is so good. The water stood up like a wall. They knew they were safe. They were hemmed in by God himself. The Egyptians, the enemy, pursued them. This still happens. The enemy, Satan, is still trying to pursue us. And all of uh, Pharaoh's horses and chariots and cavalry followed them into the sea. Just because we go through the blood of Jesus Christ doesn't mean they're not going to try to drag us out or at least think that, make us think that they can. Just before dawn, Yahweh, the up-close and personal God, looked down from the column of fire and smoke and 
Here's the Egyptian camp interplanet. I love this. If we understood that the realm of darkness is in a planet, because you might figure out who you are. You might figure out what kind of power and authority you have. You might actually believe you're the righteousness of God in Christ. You might actually believe that there's nothing impossible for those who believe. He's in a panic over the truth of what Jesus Christ has done. God made the wheels of their chariots come off so that they could hardly move. Think of that. If we're thinking about this in terms of the picture, he says, they can hardly even move, I'm so powerful. There's so many Christians who are actually afraid of the devil, as if there is anything to be afraid of. He's a defeated foe. Then the Egyptians shouted, let's get out of here. The demonic powers, when the Christians show up, say, let's get out of here. <laughs> because Yahweh, the up-close-and-personal God, is fighting for all of humanity, not just the church. God has redeemed all of the world, even though they haven't come into the knowledge of it. It's already provided. He's against the Egyptians. Then Yahweh said to Moses, the type of Christ, well, I love this, stretch out your hand. Stretch out your hand over the sea so that the water will flow back over the Egyptians, their chariots, and their cavalry. When I start to look at this in the terms of the characters that God's portraying, when he said, stretch out your hand, that's what I saw. He stretched out his hand, and the blood, the blood started to flow. And it was the blood that brought the defeat. Moses stretched over his hand over the sea, and at daybreak, the water returned to its usual place. The Egyptians tried to escape. The devil's trying to get away from you! <laughs> but Yahweh swept them into the sea. That's where the power is, in the blood of Jesus Christ. The water flowed back and covered Pharaoh's entire army, as well as the chariots and the cavalry that followed Israel into the sea, and not one of them survived. Not one of them has power and authority over a believer in Jesus Christ. Not one. All of their power was taken away by the blood of Jesus Christ. This Red Sea is a type of blood. Nothing, nothing can defeat the blood of Jesus Christ. Nothing demonic has power over us. Nothing. The only thing he can do is get us to believe a lie. Meanwhile, the Israelites had gone through the sea on dry ground while the water stood like a wall on their right and their left. And that day, Yahweh, the up-close-and-personal God, saved Israel, all of mankind, from the Egyptians, the power of the, the enemy. And Israel, all of mankind, saw the Egyptians lying dead on the seashore. Dead Egyptians. Do you see dead Egyptians? Or do you think they're still living? Do you think they still have power? Do you think they still have a right to you? Do you think they have a right to be living in your house? Do you have dead Egyptians living in your house? <laughs> Some of us do. When the Israelites saw, the Israelites, mankind, when mankind saw the great power, the up-close and personal God, Yahweh, had used against the power of the enemy, the Egyptians, they feared, reverenced, awed Yahweh, and believed in him and in his servant, Moses, the type of prince. When the world sees the truth, they come out of the darkness and into the light. They see the truth of what Jesus has done for them. How could they possibly say no? How could they refuse such a Savior? We need to see the Egyptians are dead on the seashore. The fear, the guilt, the shame, the hurt, the grief, the sorrow, the anxiety. They're dead on the seashore. 
The blood of Jesus Christ has taken all the power and sting out of them. We need to see and remind ourselves. We need to put on the truth. Those dead things are staying dead. I'm not letting them come into my life. I'm not letting them have authority and power in my life or in my body because those things truly are dead. They are completely defeated. We need to put them off by the renewing of our mind. We need to resist the enemy steadfastly. Stand and still stand and put on the truth of who we are in Jesus Christ. We have a new king, a new condition, and a new kingdom. We have been loosed from our captivity. We are no longer slaves. Those who have not entered into the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ are held captive. They're slaves. Even though they want to do right, even though they want to quit cussing, even though they want to quit gambling, even though they want it, they don't have the power. Because the power is in the life of Jesus Christ. Sons of the one true and living God. That's who we are. And his name is I am healing. I am health. And I am wholeness. So we need to be new our mind to the fact that I am the healed. I am the whole. And I am the healthy. And those Egyptians are dead. If it's sickness, it's dead. Everything comes from the root. If it's a spiritual root is in darkness, sickness, disease, poverty, the problem is that it's, that's where it's coming from. It's not that I just need to take better care of myself. Is that, is that wisdom? Absolutely. But we have to understand, it has a, no power and authority unless we believe it has power and authority. We have to actually give him our power. That's what Adam and Eve did. They gave their power and authority to the enemy. We can still do that. Now, it doesn't have the same effect because there's a new law. The law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has set me free from the law of sin and death. So even if when I sin, even when I mess up, there's a new law that has defeated that law, the law of life in Christ Jesus. He says, I'm healed. And when I approach my healing, my sickness, my fear, my anxiety, my lack, my lack of prosperity, I might think, well, I have to work harder. No. you got to understand where your prosperity comes from. It doesn't come from working harder. God says, I will bless the work of your hands. It comes from the spiritual realm. Do you live in the, the kingdom of blessing or do you live in the kingdom of darkness? Well, what happens is we say, I don't have enough, and we have kingdom of darkness thinking. I have to work harder. No. i got to know who I am and start believing the truth of who I am because my prosperity actually comes from Christ. It comes from the spiritual realm, not the physical realm. Now, God in the kingdom of blessing says, you work, I will bless it. I will prosper it. I will make it grow. But it comes from him, not from our self-effort. Just like our righteousness. We can do the disciplines to help us you know, read the word, spend time with God, absolutely. But our, that doesn't make us righteous. Our righteousness comes from him. It's about the kingdom inside showing up on the outside. It's the condition of who we are showing up on the outside. And we're the one that has to put it on. We have to put it on. In chapter 15, right after they're delivered, they go through the Red Sea. Almost all of chapter 15 is them singing songs to how great God is. It would be great if I had enough time to, to read it all, but it's awesome. Especially when you look at it in terms of the characters he says to think of them all. They're having a party. There's the song of Moses. There's the song of Miriam. They're singing and dancing. We're free. We're no more Egyptians. They're all dead. Go! Gosh, this is awesome, God. We're free. No more slaves. No more bricks. 
without straw. <laughs> They're having a party. And it takes them all of three days to forget. <laughs> you see, on Sunday we can go, yes and amen, I agree. And come Wednesday you're going, oh, what am I going to do about this? God, where are you? We can start thinking like we're still in Egypt. You see, God took the Israelites out of Egypt, but they still had Egyptian thinking. They still had slave mentality. They needed to renew their minds to the truth of what had happened to them, that they were truly free. In Exodus 15, verse 24, it says this. They came to a place where there was no water that they could drink. Three whole days. Three whole days. Ran out of water. They start grumbling. They start grumbling against Moses. Now, if you think about this, in terms of the characters, who are they grumbling against? Jesus, the deliverer. They're saying, you're not good. You didn't take care of me. Okay? So they're actually grumbling against the one who delivered them. Believers sometimes do this. We come into a, a distressing situation. Was there anybody there trying to take them captive? No. They had some troubling circumstances. Some inconvenient circumstances. Things they didn't know how to fix. But it wasn't the enemy coming to take them back into slavery. They were still free. But they still had a wrong mentality. They hadn't yet had the opportunity to renew their mind to, the, to what had happened to them. This is where it starts. And the people murmured against Moses, saying, What shall we drink? And he cried unto the Lord, which is Yahweh, and the Lord showed him, I love this, showed him a tree. Let's look at it in terms of the characters. He's talking to Jesus. And he says, look to a tree. The answer to your problem is that you need to look to a tree. The tree that Christ died on. The answer is in the cross. Whatever your problem is, the answer is on the cross. He showed him a tree which he had cast into the waters, and the waters were made sweet. There he made them a statute and an ordinance, and there he proved them. A statute is a law that is binding on everyone. In other words, like federal income tax. Okay. <laughs> it's binding on everyone. And an ordinance says it's permanent. There he made for them a statue and an ordinance. He says, this is a law, and it's a permanent law that I'm putting in place. And he says, and, but you will be tested. Not to prove that you fail, but to prove that the law works. That this new law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus is, is in the new law. It is binding on everyone, and it's permanent. And verse 26, and said, If thou wilt diligently hearken to the voice of the Lord thy God, it will be Yahweh Elohim, and will do that which is right in his sight, and will give ear to his commandments, and keep all his statutes. I will put none of the diseases upon me, which I have brought upon the Egyptians, for I am the Lord that healeth thee. And it goes on in 27. And they came to Elim, and there were twelve wells of water, and three score and ten palm trees, and they encamped there by the water. There is so much there. Oh my goodness. What happens is, once we come into a new revelation, once we get information, this is my true identity, circumstances are going to say to you, oh yeah? <laughs> is that really who you are? And if you stand still, 
if we stand on the word, we stand on the truth of who we are and who our Jesus is, there will be a manifestation of that truth. This is a very strange place for God to say, I will be your healer. And he's specifically talking about the diseases of Egypt. And he goes on in the blessing and curses and says, all sickness and disease is under the curse. Why is he talking about healing in a place where we don't see any sickness? You see, he's telling them, I can heal anything. What circumstance is troubling you? He says, if you believe I am healing, that I can heal situations, I can heal relationships. I can heal your body. I can heal your mind. I can heal your heart. I can heal your life. I can heal your finance. I can heal anything. And the answer is the point to the truth. When the enemy comes and says, oh, yeah, you think you're delivered? The point to the truth. Right there. Right there is the tree. Right there is where the blood flowed. Right there is where the condition changed. Right there is where I was taken from the kingdom of darkness and translated into the kingdom of light. I live in the realm of blessing, not cursing. That is who I am. And then how much water did they find? Wells, wells. If you stand still, you keep standing. You keep renewing your mind. You keep putting on, I am the healed. You keep putting on, I am the prosperous. You keep putting on the truth of who we are. You will see manifestation. And it will be bigger and better than you could have ever asked. That's who our Jesus is. That's who our Father is. But God says, when the word is preached, he likes to confirm the word with signs and wonders. Anybody here need healing? Got a situation? that's troubling you, I want to give you an opportunity to activate your faith. So we're going to have communion. This morning we're pointing to the tree, the place where the body was broken and the blood was shed. And he says, if we stand still, if we stand still, we will see the salvation of the Lord. Yeah, there may be testing coming, a trial, a circumstance, Something we thought was, we didn't have the answer to. But the answer is always found in Jesus Christ. It is found in the fact that we have been translated into a new kingdom. We have a new king, a new condition, and a new kingdom. We live in the blessing, not the curse. This is a permanent law of God that he will not allow the sickness and disease have authority in our life. It has no legal jurisdiction. It's illegal. So this morning, we're going to activate our faith. If you have something in your body you're standing against, stand still and point to the truth. Point to the body and blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. 